0: Amen. How y'all doing, everybody? Feeling that pride spirit? I, uh, I love, I love when we get to really dwell in Scripture, and I actually think that maybe today, whatever uh, tech problems we have may have allowed us to be even more present and slow and connected to the words of the text today, because I'm hearing the murmurs already of folks putting some dots together with the words indecent and shameful about dancing and nakedness, and maybe we see a little bit where this is going on Pride Parade Sunday, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> But I hope that folks are also already excited about the ways that we see ourselves reflected in the scriptures here. Because we have queer, beautiful, celebratory, defiant, transgressive dancing in the streets in our scriptures and after church today. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm one of your pastors here at Zhao. I'm so excited to be with you all in person, online, um, you know, on Tuesday night once you've recovered from Pride Weekend, whenever you get uh, to this place and this moment. But uh, we are finishing, this is the last Sunday in our series called Party People, where we have been celebrating the Easter season, which is actually now Pentecost for the church nerds in here. I think there might be three of you. But Pentecost is kind of the culmination, right? It's like Easter is this celebration of resurrection and life, and that's why we're in this season of party people celebrating and finding ways to be a part of this vibrant joy of the life pouring back into the world when we thought things had died. And it culminates in Pentecost, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It's a fancy church word, but it's about a story where the Holy Spirit comes with tongues of fire, fire, to empower the people of God to do incredible things. And that is what celebration does for us. It gives us life. It gives us divine fire. It gives us holy hope. And so we take that hope out into the streets, and that fuels us for the days to come, called ordinary season. (laughs) But in our final celebration of party people, I want to tell you a little bit about David. David. Now, David is someone that we talk about from time to time, especially when we're talking about queerness. You may have heard King David talked about in other churches in very different ways. They tend not to mention the gay bits. Uh, We really like to talk about those, so we're gonna. We actually have a shirt that we sell at Pride Fest that says, Love Me Like David Loved Jonathan. Because the queer love between David and Jonathan is one of the most beautiful, heartbreaking, Romeo and Juliet-esque stories in the scriptures. And so we have this figure, King David, who is queer in his sexuality, who is complicated in his uh, morality. (laughs) He is, like most figures in the Bible, a deeply imperfect person, doing both harm and good in the world, trying to lead the people of God. And today, we want to talk about the time he danced nearly naked in the streets, Now this dance was transgressive and it it was very queer and gender bending and also pushing against religious spaces because he invoked religious authority by wearing this priestly garment but he was also very exposed being nearly naked and dancing in these ways that he was not supposed to do. It was beneath him, it was undignified, and it was very gender-bending. And as we heard at the end of the passage, Michal, his wife, shames him. Now, this might seem really odd to stumble upon this passage in the Bible, this big procession with music and dancing and David's nakedness and gender-bending and people cheering, and also these displays that obviously made Michal and other people very uncomfortable and even shameful. But you need to know that there's a lot of context for this. This parade, it didn't come from nowhere. There's history that when you know it, you see necessitates this wild display that makes it not only appropriate, but holy. So let's break it down. Now we're talking today about the chest the chest of God. This is also called the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle. This is the home of God, actually the mobile home of God. This is the place where God was said to live and could be carried around, taken in the streets, taken on a pilgrimage, taken to a new home. Now when the temple is established and it becomes a permanent home, it's called the Holy of Holies and there is a veil that separates the people, and only the high priest is allowed to go behind the veil one time per year, but there is a huge separation there, saying you are not allowed to come too close to the holy of holies, the chest of God. And someday, Jesus will die on the cross and break down divisions of empire and oppression, and that veil will tear itself in half, but not yet. Now, now we have this procession This procession with the home of God, the mobile home of God, the ark, the chest. And who is allowed to come close? Who is allowed to touch it? There are all kinds of rituals around access. And so it is only those who are deemed appropriate within the structures that are allowed to even come close. So in our reading today, there are actually two processions, two parades, two celebrations and parties. And so let's talk about the first one. In the first one, they have won a victory. They are bringing the chest of God, the home of God, to their home, to David's home. They are celebrating because they have been uh, on this journey, and now they get to, to celebrate the closeness of God, their victory, their hope, their peace. And so it, is, uh, it begins as a joyful, uncomplicated celebration. They haven't had access to the ark in a long time, and here they are bringing it home. God is with them, and God is coming home, and so they dance. Among them is a man named Uzzah, who is driving the cart with his brother, and David, who is leading this procession. Now, we don't know about Uzzah, but we know about David. We know about David's queerness, And so when it says that David and Uzzah and the Israelites are dancing with all their might, with songs and lyrics and and songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals, we know that this is big, that this expression is, is going to get out of hand, right? There's a moment that we go from performing uh, solemnity, performing our, uh, our acceptableness to just the joy that can't be contained and we lose our filters, am I right? We do. We lose our filters. So we don't know necessarily what was transgressive about this dancing. There was nothing to indicate nakedness. But we do know that David is queer. And how does this impact his dancing? I don't know about y'all, but as a queer person, I do things that I think are totally normal until the straights freak out about it. (laughs) And I think that's true of so many people with marginalized identities. When our filters come down, when we are no longer performing for the status quo, for the identities of dominance, our true selves come pouring out. And as they dance, as they celebrate, as their filters fade away, the oxen that are carrying the ark, those beasts that are tasked with steadying, with keeping the status quo, they are disturbed by the dancing. Overwhelmed perhaps by this display, by the queerness that is pouring out, that is unmanageable anymore, that is not performing correctly, the oxen, those who are supposed to keep everyone on track and slow and straight for God's sake, the oxen shake the ark violently. Uzzah reacts instinctively. This is the home of God, this is the chest of God. And so Uzzah reaches out a hand. To protect it, reaches out to touch the chest of God and is struck dead upon contact. What happened? What did he do wrong? This is the text, this is the question that the text wants to ask immediately, and the structures want to ask oh, Uzzah must have done something wrong. It must have been him. And this is what we do, right? We blame the victim, we find guilt. This has happened over and over again. We say, What was she wearing? What what look was he giving to the police? Where were their hands? We blame victims and investigate them and not perpetrators. So, what of God? It seems deeply unjust that a person would be struck dead for trying to write a tilted arc. But we assume. We assume, oh, that must have been God. The violence must have been ordained by God. And so therefore, Uzzah must have been wrong. It must have been his fault. And we blame the victim. The people who like the ark as it is says that it is God's will that Uzzah has been struck dead. And we see this pattern a lot, action, reaction, our queerness, our transgressiveness that isn't even on purpose, right? We're just living out here. And that happens to people of every single marginalized and oppressed identity, just being their beautiful God-given selves, coming up against structures of white supremacy and misogyny and ableism that are then struck with the backlash the backlash of those systems and status quo that cannot tolerate a beautiful more kingdom oriented prophetic world and so we have expression and backlash prophetic dancing and a punishing return to the status quo and a hand a hand put out to steady the divine the community becomes met with deadly violence and instead of saying where is that violence coming from we blame the dead. How many of us have been burned coming too close to the home of God? How many of us seeing something horribly off kilter have come to right the ship, have come to steady the chest of God only to be traumatized, victimized, and then blamed for the wounds inflicted upon us? The ark is power, It is access. The ark is structures that we believe contain God and therefore legitimate the way things are. In the church, the dancing is the steady daily beat of queer pride, of black girl magic, of transformative justice, of accountability. But the natural, low-key dance of prophetic faith forces the slow, heavy oxen that lead our institutions to shift and move, and they don't like it. They react violently, as though violence has been done to them. How could you? This is intolerance. This is reverse racism. Why should you get special privileges? The ark, then, the church itself is shaken by that violent backlash from those in power by white supremacy and queer phobia, transphobia. This thing is spinning out of control. Will someone do something? But what happens when the vulnerable among us, especially those who are queer and trans in the church, reach out and reach out a hand to steady? to steady the thing, knowing that this is not all violence, that there is holiness in there that needs to be protected and honored and brought home. All that violence, it channels, it comes lashing out at us, striking us into many kinds of deaths, including the spiritual deaths for which we ourselves are blamed. It is not Uzzah's steadying protective hand that killed him. It is the violence surrounding the ark, the church. It is not black people's blackness that kills them. It is anti-black racism that kills black people. It is not queerness that causes spiritual and literal death. It is queer phobia that hunts us down, especially if we have the audacity to seek God out in the supposed home of her love, the modern ark, the church. Now, I promised this would be a story about dancing, (laughs) So let's get back to David. David had been dancing with the crowd, but out of fear, he stops. And maybe it's not just fear, right? There's also some grief there, some rage. What happens when we see our loved ones burned, struck, beaten by the church that was supposed to love and protect them? For months, He puts as much distance as possible between him and the ark. I don't want it, he says. Take it away from me. Send it to someone else. And so it goes to the home of another person. And he sees that person blessed from afar. And he longs to be close. He knows that he is losing out on something. But how? How is he supposed to get close to the thing that is surrounded in violence that kills the ones that he loves? He knows, though, ultimately, that the God of Israel is for him, is for him, that there is a God in that ark that is called home to his home. And he sees that blessing from afar and he says, I'm reclaiming it. I'm taking it back. I'm bringing it home. But you know what? He's done being subtle. He's done being slow and low-key about who he is and the queerness and the transgressiveness. It's going to be high-key gay, all right? All right, everybody ready for this? It's going to be a high-key gay parade. So more boldly than ever before, David gets out there and he starts dancing. Now, he's wearing an ephod, which is translated in here as a, uh, a priestly vest, <laughs> But I just want you to imagine the kinds of vest you might see at Pride Fest or Pride Parade and not like in a boardroom. (laughs) Because he is, it implies, only wearing the vest. So he is wearing this priestly garment that is also like underwear. He is near naked but also donning the robes of religious authority. He reclaims the ark, making offerings to God, performing priestly duties, basically claiming not only his role as the king and the leader and the queer one and the one who dances, but also the one who has a right to get as close as possible to God, the one who performs those priestly duties, the one who oversees the connection to God. He says, that spirituality, it's channeled through me. We will stop, we will celebrate, and there is no separation between my queer, naked, beautiful dance and the sacrifice and celebration of God. All of it is holy. All of it is here, and all of it is power. So he reclaims the ark. And bringing the ark home to his home, he begins again leaping and dancing, and they feast. Now as he does this, As he parades through the street, Michal, his wife, sees him and despises him. Now, this is where we have to zoom out for a second and recognize that David is really complicated. He sounds like a terrible person to be married to. And like, that's not an understatement. She has a lot of good reasons to hate him. But the contempt that we read in this passage, the contempt is for his queerness and his gender performance. Because we are not supposed to be naked and raw and honest. We are not supposed to dance with such abandon. There is a time and place for David to do it with dignity, to do it with structure, for heaven's sake to do it according to his assigned gender expectations. And so she shames him. He says to her, fine, you don't get it. But others will get it others will see me those to whom I have exposed myself my nakedness my true identity they do see me and they will honor me even if you don't because I am chosen I am chosen not forsaken I am chosen by God so how how does David do this how does David move from grief and lament and rejection to joy and dancing and abundance It's clearly a choice he makes, a choice to reclaim, to move fluidly. But I don't think he's making a choice to lay down his grief and rage. I think he's making a choice to bring his grief and rage along with his celebration and hope into the streets. Who's to say he isn't also shouting with grief? Who's to say the rage isn't flowing through his body as he dances, that his body can't contain and transmit it all We know that trauma is stored in the body. We have to scream it out, shake it out, laugh it out, dance it out. And this is why our pride parades are so, so important, so cathartic, and so confusing to outsiders. Because there is history there. We didn't just do this. This comes from some place. Pride parades are a choice for joy and How many tears have been shed at pride? They mingle together with sweat and glitter and hallelujahs. The first pride parade was a riot. Stonewall, in response to police harassment of queer people, especially black and brown trans women, was a riot, was bricks thrown and shouts exclaimed. And we have to remember that many more pride parades in the 80s and 90s were funerals when the HIV-AIDS epidemic was in this country either completely ignored or blamed on the wrath of God. Again, we are standing with the church as they blame God for the death of Uzzah. And like David, we are all holy priests and we are all naked, vulnerable, unashamed as we claim our place in the presence of God. I love to wear this collar during Pride Fest, but I love to wear it not like some of my colleagues do with dress pants and dress shoes, but with my chucks and my snapback and my they them pin. My queerness is holy and it won't hide or pretend to be something it's not. And yes, our parades are a defiant expression of queer sexuality and nakedness. And there's a context for that. It's not about being lewd. It's about not having the patience to be subtle anymore. You didn't like us any better or accept us anymore when we tried to fit in. So you know what? We're done. We're done. We're going to be us in all of our beautiful, queer, transgressive, naked, dancing glory. And it's going to be a party. Because we are party people. And our holy parties can be funerals and riots and church and celebration all at once. And we will bring belonging home again. And you can shame us if you want, but we won't stop because the people of God who see us will honor us. We are chosen. We are not forsaken. We are who God says we are. We are the people of God. And so, this Pride Month, this Pride Weekend, this Pride Day... I want you to consider joining us in the streets. And I want you to consider how that is an act of faith, a holy transgression, an expression of the fullness of who you are, a laying down of trying to fit in, and a taking up of the priestly garments that are given to you by God to claim your holy right to the home of God, the chest of God, the presence Of the divine. Will you pray with me? God of wild dancing, God of rage and grief, God of justice and truth, may we have the strength and insight to claim your truth, to name violence for where it comes from, and to replace that violence with joy and authentic shouting and dancing. May we take our place as your chosen in the streets, in the church, and everywhere. May we honor one another, even if there are those who despise us. And may your holy love, your holy queer spirit, flow through us in the streets today and every day, that all may be touched by the vision of your prophetic kingdom, which is wild and queer and uncontainable and beautiful and holy. In your name we pray. Amen.